Hello, welcome to Revive Health's Daily Briefing Live for May 15th, our 30-minute review of the latest, most important news, resources, and advice for health system marketers and communicators dealing with COVID-19. I'm Jeff Spear, guest host today. Chris Bevelo's got the, the day off. As always, we're joined by Chase Kleckner, Senior Marketing Manager of Revive Health and our show's producer. Hey, Chase, how are you? Doing well, Jeff. How are you? Good. Happy Friday, sir. You as well. Week nine is about to be complete, heading into week 10, double digits, finally. Uh, today, we're joined by Elizabeth Musson, Senior Vice President in our communication groups at Revive Health and one of the founders of the firm. Elizabeth is uh, one of the most knowledgeable, stays up to date on all the news and things going on, um, leads strategy and counsel for many clients in communication planning, executive visibility, internal communication, media conferences, integrated campaigns, and maybe a crisis here and there, including uh, M&A. Hey, Elizabeth, how's it going? Hey, Jeff. Glad to be here. Hey, Chase. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk today with Elizabeth about being a leader. Um, but before we get into that, and that'll be a fun discussion, um, we're going to cover some of the normal things. Uh, as usual, we'll talk about some of the latest news and how it relates to marketing communications, give you a couple of resources, um, what we're hearing and what we're seeing. And if you've got questions, please put them into the Q&A function at the bottom of your Zoom panel. And uh, Elizabeth, Chase, and I will get to them as soon as we can. Uh, you can also use the chat function to talk to each other or just post some comments. But if you've got a question for us, please use that Q&A tool. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, search for Revive Health Daily Briefing Live. We post a recording of each day's episode by the end of the day. A lot of great content um, in there. So take a look when you have a chance. And you can also visit thinkrevivehealth.com slash COVID-19. Two important notes before we get into things. We're not experts on COVID-19, so this is not a place for medical or scientific advice or resources. We do have opinions on how you can uh, manage the crisis, so we'll share those, but we know everybody's situation is unique. And in the end, you have to make the decisions that are best for you. But we're always here for you. So uh, let's let's get going. Uh, first thing we do is we always talk about the latest count. Uh, we use the Johns Hopkins tool. And right now we are on the cusp of 4.5 million cases worldwide. 4,498,000 confirmed. And in the U.S., that's 1,420,299 cases confirmed. And we are sadly now at uh, at least 86,228 confirmed deaths. And um, looks like we're, we're just continuing to go up. Um, so cross your fingers that we'll start going the other direction soon. Um, just getting into a little bit of news today, and, and uh, it's been covered quite a bit, but New York Times today has a pretty long article about the impact on hospitals of COVID-19. And um, I, I think it was a really, it's a really good piece that all of our listeners should look into because they, they cover the kind of range of things. Uh, a lot of it's about Mayo and their unique situation as a very healthy um, health system, but that also has a unique offering. And Mayo's very transparent in, in the article, and there's a lot of good information there. But a couple things really stood out to me 
number one uh, article pointed out that during the last recession of 2008, nonprofit hospitals saw their Medicaid revenue increase 17%. Um, that's according to Moody's credit ratings firm. Um, and on the flip side, what one of the pieces in the article talked about Kalispell Regional Medical Center, which is in Northwest Montana, they've already experienced um, only a 1% increase in Medicaid enrollees. And that 1% increase, so a shift from commercial um, represents a $600,000 loss in the estimation of their CFO. Elizabeth, what do you think about this? Um, and what, what should our hospital friends be thinking about? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's no surprise. I think everyone knows the impact, the financial impact, but it does seem like they're continuing to tell this, the media is continuing to tell this story and uncovering new pieces of it. Um, I think what this made me think of is uh, comparing it to or pulling up some of the information that was in the um, Kaiser Family Foundation. You know, they always put out uh, really good data um, and the what it looks like for um, employers, employer-sponsored health plans, what the cost of uh, deductibles, average cost of deductibles are. But they've sort of taken a shift, as most people have, and looking at these things in light of COVID. And what struck me in that, and as we think about this article, is that as of May 2nd, they had estimated between March and May that nearly 78 million people lived in a family where someone lost a job. So Gosh. if we think about the structure of our system really relying on employer-sponsored um, insurance and employer-sponsored health plans, that when you think about those 78 million people, you know, there are some options where people can, you know, probably have been extended to be able to stay on their employer health plan or COBRA or others. Mm -hmm. But it is reasonable to think that a large part of those will shift to one of these programs that we know traditionally have um, a much lower reimbursement rate for hospitals. So there was all the talk around, you know, hospitals being able to operate um, at Medicare margins. You know, I think that that becomes an even more, um, you know, stark reality as we shift into this, um, you know, massive job loss, uncertainty around employer plans, um, and then um, a shift to, to people trying to either get on another plan or just staying uninsured. Um, so big implications for sure. And really a communication challenge because yeah. if, if your health system, no, nobody ever wants to talk about the financial side. It's, it's really mm -hmm. difficult to do that. It's a complicated piece. And, and what I think about now is health systems are trying to get um, people to come into the hospital and feel safe again. And, and understandably, because it's an important message. Uh, we need people to get care. So if you start talking about the financial challenges you have, it's inevitable, I think, that someone may wonder, well, if they're having financial trouble, are they also having trouble buying equipment and keeping things clean and keeping me safe? So you've got to be measured and strategic about this. I think health systems really need to consider, first of all, if you're a communicator listening right now, make sure you're talking with your CFO and your managed care team about what they think the impact's going to be and what they're payer negotiation strategy is. Uh, do you have advice, Elizabeth? You've been in a, in a lot of that kind of work, how they can prepare, what kind of things they need to be considered. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we'll we'll hit on some of it a little later in the context of talking about what it means to be a leader. But I do think that um, the Mayo, the New York Times article, and the way the Mayo Clinic has approached this with a level of transparency, mm-hmm. um, and and certainly Mayo Clinic has kind of a um, a level of just assumption around quality that um, certainly not every health system has. Um, but I do think that the transparency is um, is an important part of the communication because it plays out not just um, around financials, but as we'll talk about later, just around that trust that's built between the health system and the community and how that's really important for um, leadership within the market. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I do think that there is that fine line to walk around um, giving people the confidence that you have the ability to take care of them, but also highlighting that there are real challenges ahead financially. Um, And I think there's opportunity too, as communicators to kind of band together with some other, uh, like even within a market with other, what would traditionally be competitors. I think we're seeing that in a number of ways, whether that's kind of banding together to get um, people to get back into the hospitals, um, kind of market-wide cross-hospital campaigns. but I think that there's that sort of um, opportunity here as well, where you can talk about like the financial impact to individuals and hospitals as a, as a marketer or a group. It's an excellent point. Really excellent point. Everybody's in the same boat here. It's a provider. Cities, regions, states, federal government also trying to help, mm-hmm. but dealing with things. Um, the health plans maybe are the only people not in that boat, but they oh can they can yeah. they can definitely help. <laughs> All right. Well, um, if if you're a communicator out there listening, think takeaway is is you've got a lot going on, but you need to plan for this. Try to revisit any message you have, figure out what your stories are, and really think through a methodical way to communicate this and what times you want to do it in a way that um, people will receive and understand what you're going through. Uh, other big story, I think today that we wanted that kind of leads into what we want to talk about being a leader and some of the, um, I guess the, the consequences of what we're dealing with is the mental health crisis that, that we kind of, well, we've been in a mental health crisis, actually, Elizabeth's done a lot of work in that area. Um, so we've been in a mental health crisis, particularly for young people for, for quite a few years. And now it's going to reach another level according to experts. Elizabeth, share some of the thoughts that, um, that you've got and, and also what you've seen in this piece from Axios. Yeah, that was a, yesterday Axios put out a piece. And I mean, I think if uh, folks are looking for a place to get good coverage, I think that Axios has been one of the, um, one of the outlets that's done a really good job of kind of uh, looking at things from that scientific approach. Um, I also, just a side note, I think Stats done a really good job. Fox, um, definitely some of the reporters in New York Times, like um, the article you referenced today. But um, but this piece was about the you know mental health crisis that is um, likely coming on the heels of the pandemic. So it was talking about um, a index that they have created, and 28% of Americans report worsening mental health, and 34% report worsening emotional well-being at the end of April. So, you know, 34% is, um, and that's just the kind of reported number. You have to imagine that there's more 
of that. We've come certainly a really, really long way um, when it comes to mental health of being, um, being comfortable talking about it and seeing it as part of uh, the you know, connection to health overall and removing some of the stigma. But you have to imagine that those numbers are somewhat underreported right. in general. Um, so, so this article just kind of talks about what that could look like, the impacts of a potential sep second wave and gives some good resources. Um, but as we'll talk about um, in, in the next section around leadership, I do think that mental health is an area that um, hospitals, health systems, communicators have um, a lot of opportunity to uh, to take a leadership role there, and it's not just for the community and how we the services that we can provide for the community, um, but absolutely for our own people, for our internal audiences, yeah. making sure that we're taking care of their mental health um, as they've been on the front lines of this and um, just the the mental stress that that has caused. I I th I've seen some reporting uh, just the other day that when experts looked at other crises, um, not that there's necessarily been one like this before, but crises that the mental health issues, A, spike long after the crisis, number one, mm -hmm. but two, that uh, they weren't able to identify any singular cause of it other than the crisis, meaning financial is one thing, um, anxiety related to health is another there, there's just a multifaceted issue and um it's something that i think for our health systems that already knew there was a problem now is maybe an opportunity to step into what you're doing with your because you're so closely mm -hmm. theoretically working with your state leaders your county leaders public health officials and others to make sure that this this is something that you all are attacking as a group uh talking about staff too. Um, Elizabeth talked about the mental health of your, your staff. Nurses and physicians were already experiencing major burnout before this. Uh, nurses doesn't get reported quite as often. We do a lot of work in that area. Um, so we know that most health systems have been doing things to try to help and engage nurses, but don't let up and make sure you're talking with your HR and your operational teams about what the plan is for the next year to help them to engage them, you're going to need them um, more than ever. And, and that's not gonna go away. So yeah. let's shift into, um, oh, sorry, Elizabeth, did you, did you Well, just one thing, comment? and then I think we can, can shift, but I do think that this is an area actually that we're seeing some of the acceleration of innovation in healthcare around. Like this has been the turning point for telehealth as everyone agrees um, mm -hmm. that it, that, and I think that the same thing is uh, true on the mental health side, that there are a lot of technology and tools that have been able to fill some gaps. I think the caution there that the article outlines that leads really well into what we're gonna talk about next is um, just making sure that that's not, um, that, that's, that those services, they're not always accessible to some of our most vulnerable populations. And so making sure that we're thinking about how um, as leaders, we're looking at um, all the different groups and being able to fill some of those care gaps that way. Mm -hmm. Being a leader, we've we've talked, uh, we've got a paper on it called Post Health System Brand, which is, again, this is where you move from being a promotional brand almost 100% and instead really talking about things that you do and value in a, and emotionally 
connecting with your audience and what they care about. And health systems are such a regional force in so many different ways in their markets. Um, but now I think that that's going to be more important than ever. And we want to talk some about, well, what does it mean to be a leader in ways that maybe health systems haven't thought about before, particularly marketers, beyond just being a leader of service or beyond being able to say, yes, we contribute this amount of economic impact to our communities, or we deliver philanthropic and charity care and services. Elizabeth, um, when you think about being a leader uh, during this time, what stands out to you? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's the individual leaders within the organizations, which is kind of a whole separate mm -hmm. topic, but we're thinking about today really like the system um, as a leader and what that represents, that kind of brand leadership in the market. Um, and I think about, I think for, for me, it's really come back to that public health kind of community health leadership. So um, hospitals have sort of taken that step back from what they have done traditionally and what that you know paper covers a lot of like pushing particular services, um, particular offerings, and really have stepped into this role of public health communicator. So it started with symptoms that you need to look for, things you can do to prevent the virus. Um, and they played a critical role in helping um, tap into their audiences. Um, our, our survey results showed, and I think lots of, um, lots of conversations and surveys have uh, revealed that health systems have been the more trusted uh, resource in all of Correct. this. And I think that that to me is, uh, shows the leadership that that hospitals have stepped into, that they have taken on that role, that they've taken a step back from what they would have been, you know, the traditional way of working and they've rethought how they're communicating, how they're engaging. Um, so to me, I think the, the real leadership and the real leaders and markets have been those that have stepped up to that call around public health, education, mm -hmm. um, partnering with other organizations, whether it's public health departments, other systems in the market, um, to make sure that people have the information that they need. And, and with that, talking, speaking of information, right now, everybody's wondering how we're going to know who's infected and when mm -hmm. and what they should be doing. So contact tracing. Yeah. Do you see a role for hospitals and health systems in, in that, uh, yeah. fulfilling that need for their communities? Yeah, absolutely. I think yesterday, even Wisconsin lifted their, their ban. So I mean, right. like there are states that are fully opening up. Um, but contact tracing is going to be a critical part for um, place for counties, states um, that are taking a more um, cautious approach and uh, to uh, reopening. And I think absolutely public um, like public messages are a really important part of this, but it's also um, like we've seen uh, systems like Geisinger that have partnered with public health departments and are using their infrastructure that they already have in place from, you know, managing populations pre-COVID, um, you know, that population health of outreach, keeping people healthy, um, that they are, um, that they're using those same things uh, for contact tracing. So as part of that contact tracing, the communication piece of it is really important. So it's not just um, reaching out and saying, you know, you may have come in contact mm -hmm. with somebody, but it's getting them to then share 
who they may have come in contact with. And you can't do that without that trust that um, I think right. health systems have really, those leading health systems have stepped into that role of that trusted partner, trusted resource. And it, it started with the education and now it's kind of shifting to um, in this contact tracing uh, setting of getting people to share information back with them right. that they can then use to help um, slow the spread. It's a great point. How, how do you use your, your influence and expertise for the greater good here mm -hmm. in, in unfortunately what, what turns out to be extremely political situation across the country uh, and even beyond that, there's real privacy issues that people have that are legit, um, but they do trust hospitals and health systems and I think they can be there to help find solutions. Um, and big thing is don't take a step back, I guess is what I would say, uh, into what you used to have to focus on purely, which is your system possibly, and instead stay at the table. So if you're staying at the table right now and what we foresee in the future, what other things you see in the community that you think are opportunities, Elizabeth, for, for health systems to step in and help, get credit for it, um, and help their brand and their mission at the same time? Yeah, I think mental health, certainly, like we talked about, a really big one, um, that there is a need to make sure people understand resources, that they know where they can get, um, where they can get information, mm -hmm. even if it's not um, within their own organization. There's lots of groups out there, lots of technology, places like the um, crisis text line, you know, the connecting people to those resources, again, that that like kind of public health, it's not about what we specifically as a system can do for you, but right. how can we get you um, what you need? Um, taking care of those vulnerable communities, really important um, with some of the social service programs. I think that is a lot of the, um, what we see in community health and public health around um, using existing infrastructures within uh, kind of informal infrastructures, I would call them actually, within communities mm -hmm. for getting information out there. Um, there was an article um, and some work that VCU in Richmond is doing where um, there was a physician that was going out into the communities and tapping into those informal infrastructures to get information out, to educate people. Um, and so I think it's like work finding those opportunities where you can, as a leader, be a partner with the, the, those places that already exist um, to provide resources, to provide support, to connect um, resources to people and systems. So I think that there, I mean, there's any number of ways, and this is kind of goes back to your um, opening comment around, like, you've got to look at what's working, what's needed in your market, because it's going to really vary based on where you are, um, what the needs are in your community, where you are in the opening back up, you know, where you are and managing the number of cases, um, but no shortage of sort of those social service programs to support. Yeah, I, I think that health systems can really think through now the intensive time that their leaders and their experts have had together in trying to deal with these crazy things that have been happening and the relationship they forged with other providers, as you said earlier, other community groups, mm -hmm. certainly public officials, and and really don't step away because I think everybody right now is rethinking public health. And there's such a clear connection between public health and what 
the effectiveness of hospitals and health systems. And really, we've talked a lot about how, um, I think over the years, what can, there's only so much theoretically that hospitals and health systems can do sometimes because by the time they, they end up seeing patients or people are starting to pay attention to the care, they're, they're not necessarily in great shape. Um, and that obviously fuels the cost of care. It fuels sometimes the, the potential outcomes that hospitals and health systems can actually deliver because if someone's got five comorbidities. So I think right now the biggest thing that you can do as a leader is work with your public health officials to keep up the dialogue and the emphasis on do you see how important public health is and how do we address not just the uh, the things that are happening to us now as a result of COVID, but let's not stop the momentum. Let's figure out and think about chronic conditions, for example, that are, are probably only exacerbated some of those things um, with people not being able to live their normal life, maybe eating worse, not seeing their doctor. So what kinds of things are getting in place then? Because now I think states and everybody else realize that ultimately we're all footing the bill. We're all suffering from that. Um, but hospitals and health systems have the leadership and the expertise to be there. So you can't really walk away. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, I know that was kind of fast and furious. At least it felt that way to me, <laughs> but um, a lot of intriguing thoughts and Elizabeth, uh, you always offer a, lot, a great perspective and working with a lot of leading health systems and executives. Um, so thank you for coming on and sharing those things. Yeah. Okay, well, that's it for today's show, everybody. Uh, happy Friday to you. Enjoy the weekend. Um, Chase, thank you as always. Absolutely. Glad to do it. And uh, Chris will be back on Monday for his normal spot. Um, and please remember to visit thinkrevivehealth.com slash COVID-19 for recording of all of our podcasts and other resources. We put out a couple updates every week on what we're seeing things change fast. Um, and I know right now, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about next, next week, everyone's kind of experiencing reopening of elective procedures and seeing what that, that impact to your volume means and what does that mean for the future. So I know that we'll be talking more about that next week. So please remember to tune in and let others know. Um, to all of you out there, please hang in there, keep up the great work. Uh, we really appreciate everything you're doing and your communities do too. So hang in there and we'll be back uh, Monday and every weekday until this passes. Talk to you then. Bye.